Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 37, Starcade 1989. Future Shock. I'm electrified. Dude, the intro to this show. It's pretty good. With all the like computer bullshit, and it's like, sting, but it's like, it looks... Like DOS video game shit, but like a little bit better than that. It looks like, it looks like, it looks like some shit from like Tron, which is one of my favorite movies as a kid, for sure. The intro was really, really great. Future Shock is fun. Uh, supposedly, this is the first annual Future Shock, according to JR, but we'll get to that later. Continue, Matthew. Starcade 1989 is the seventh annual Starcade produced under the NWA banner and the second for WCW. The event took place on December 13th, 1989 at the Omni Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. We've been here plenty of times before. I don't think so. I think this is the first time we've been to the Omni. No, No. wait. The first two Starcades were it. Yeah, the Omni Omni is like, this is like, this is Starcade country. I I was thinking. Okay. When you said that, I was thinking. Matt, what are you talking about? I knew we had gone to Atlanta before. Yeah. I was just thinking it was a different yeah, building but no no the omni, the, omni, the omni is important to the nw to the nwa it, it very much is the attendance for the show was just over 10,000 people which is kind of surprising cuz there are some shots where there are not butts in seats they i think they would say that they were disappointed in their attendance for this show even with 10,000 people I mean, I don't this know. Is, this is Starcade's kind of WCW and WA's WrestleMania. Yeah, when I saw ten thousand, I was like, "That's pretty good," because like we've had some stinkers, some with some, like some middle thirty five, yeah, some some, some smaller, some. I mean, definitely not comparable to WWF, but like some small numbers and uh, attendance wise. And this one said ten thousand. I was like, "All right, that sounds pretty great." And I turned on the show and. There's some like shots on the other side of the canvas from like yeah. the hard cam, and it's like, oh, where are all these people at? That being said, it is our last Starcade of the '80s. It's our last wrestling show of the '80s. Of the '80s. I'm kind of bizarre. It's our last pay-per-view, but it's our last wrestling show. I'm kind of sad about it. I'm looking forward to the '90s. I am as well, but Flair's '89. Flair's '89 is great. It's like fuck, man. Like, does he I, go out? Does he go out with a bang? We'll find out. I mean, I, I I won't voice my opinion here. This is the place, but not the time. So the other things that were happening around December thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine. T Swift oh, was yeah. born the same day. Feelings on T Swift? I like a little bit of all of it. Uh, I didn't like Reputation, the newest album. I can't think of the name of. Don't look at me for help because I am not a yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift fan. It had too many songs, but I think there's some really good stuff. Uh, it's all, it is what it is. She is like, how do I put this? Oh, what is her name? That do, that does not impress me much. Whose boots have your bed been under? Shania Twain. Shania Twain 
swam so Taylor Swift could fly. I mean, I don't know exactly what the turn of phrase here should be, but like, you know, she was the like first like big country crossover yeah. in our lifetimes. And she was the one that really did it, did it up pop style. And Taylor Swift is kind of the second coming of that. But she is I feel twice like, over in that way. I feel way. like Taylor Swift always did pop music, but yes, they but so sold did... her first few albums to, yeah, to country I think, stations. I think you could say the same thing with Shania Twain. She's like and Canadian. So it just kind of but stayed I think, on the country yeah, side. But I think the best Taylor Swift songs are on Red, but it also has some of the worst songs on it because it's too long of a record. doesn't matter. There is good stuff in there overall. She is... I don't think I could even name like a Taylor Swift song like really? off the top of my head. Oh man, we should. Uh... I mean, if I if one came on, I might be able to like, oh, okay, that's Taylor yeah. Swift. I've got some stuff that I think you could appreciate, but this is not a Taylor Swift cast, and if it was, I would not be doing it. That's true. So what else happened, Matt? The weekend before saw the release of the movies She Devil and The War of the Roses. I don't know She Devil. She Devil was Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr. That sounds amazing. Is that a good movie? It's it probably doesn't hold up. Is it is it kind of like hear no evil, see no evil? No, Roseanne Barr basically is the devil. Is the or is it Meryl Streep that plays the devil? Meryl one Streep pl- doesn't play the devil. They're gonna make the fat white lady play the devil. No, I think it's Meryl Streep comes oh, in and like. I mean, obviously, I think it is. Yeah, I'm interested. But she comes in and like basically yeah. steals like. She just comes in and seduces Roseanne Barr's husband, uh, if I remember correctly. You mean she comes in and seduces... Not Tom Arnold. It was... <laughs> no, I was I was going to go her TV husband. Uh, not John Goodman. <laughs> not John Goodman, yeah. One of my favorite pictures that's ever been on the internet of all time is John Goodman in that Black Flag t-shirt. Okay, so it's a surprisingly resourceful housewife vows revenge on her husband when he begins an affair with a wealthy romance novelist. It's Ed Begley Jr. Okay. War of the Roses, though. Is that uh, Kathleen Turner? Yes. Like, of, uh, what's the movie? There's a movie, I haven't seen War Michael of the Roses. Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner. What's her other movie? Uh, I've seen War parts of War of, War of the Roses, but uh, Romancing the Stone is the one that I've seen the most. Peggy Sue Got Married, Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone is the one that I'm most familiar with. Serial Mom. Oh, I love Serial Mom. Have you seen Serial Mom? Serial Mom's good. That's funny. I would. I'm kind of well, not surprised, but Serial Mom is by no means the best John Waters movie. It is a John Waters movie that people have seen that don't know. Kathleen Turner was a uh, was directed by Danny DeVito. Oh, don't throw, don't tell. Wait, no, don't throw Mom off the train. No, War of the Roses. Oh, War of the Roses, directed by Danny DeVito. He's directed like four movies or five movies, and supposedly they're all great. I don't know if I've seen any of them. And it was a Golden Globe nominee for comedy or musical. Hell yeah. Did you see, uh, I had this, I had two different opinions about this. A movie I didn't really care about. The Detective Pikachu. Okay. Why would Ryan Reynolds voice Pikachu when Danny Vito could have? Because more people would recognize Ryan Reynolds' voice and that's what they sold it on. But that's not fun. My, my vote goes to Danny DeVito as Pikachu Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Nobody would. I mean, no one would have gone to that movie. Then. But Dan, Danny DeVito, I think, could have been really funny. Could have been and cute. But no one. They can't sell yeah. the movie. on The that. thing is, like, it's if like Ryan Reynolds is the voice of a character, then it's just Ryan Reynolds. 
And I guess you could say the same for Damien. I feel like the movie could have been more entertaining. Well, let's move on to our show. We probably should. We've got 12 whole matches to go through. 12 whole matches. And do you even understand how to pull off this, this Very point carefully. thing? Very You've got it? You've got it? So a video Threading package needle. starts showing highlights of the participants in the matches tonight before yes, showing our... the logo, which mm-hmm. was what you were talking about earlier. For, for future shock. The national anthem is played. With mm-hmm. the flags in the ring. We haven't had a national anthem in yeah. a while. It was just through the speakers, but they had like some guys with like the col- like a color guard, but no horns. So yeah. it was just over the PA. Jim Ross welcomes us to the show. And, Jay. and tells us that there are going to be 12 big matches. Yes. Four singles and yes. four tag teams yes. will face off against each other in this show. Terry Funk and Jim Cornette join JR to... Preview the matches. And I think that this is the genius of the show. It possibly is the best part, is Jim yeah. Cornette and Terry Funk. It's like, I'm glad they tried something, but I think that this is the thing that this show is can be most... Uh, remembered yeah, for. Most, rem- most remembered for, most... The nostalgia that anybody would have for the show, I would imagine, would be coming from this tag team... Tag team tournament. Well, not the tournament, but the tag team. Why can't I think of what I'm trying to say? Announce table. This tag team announce table. The expertise provided by Jim Cornette. Yes. And Terry Funk and JR really fucking kills it. He really does a great job. So there is a scoring system for this round robin tournament. It's 20 points for a pinfall or submission, 15 points for a count out, 10 points for a disqualification, and 5 points for a time limit draw. And then obviously you get no points for a loss. We will remind you of these points because they matter, because the finishes to the show make them matter. They are, as Rick Steiner would say, rough, rough, rough. (laughs) That may be the worst joke you've ever made. On purpose. And it was for my boy. So Gary Capetta announces all the tag teams in the Iron Team tournament. And, like, Surprisingly. the stage has, like, a curtain in front of it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That is, like, pulled up. Yeah. To reveal all the tag teams standing on the stage. And, and we there's, have, like, crazy, gigantic lights. We have Doom. Everything looks like a cocaine party. The Road Warriors. The New Wild Samoans. Samoans. And the Steiner brothers. Yeah, instead of Fatu and Samu, it's Fatu and Samoan Savage. So the Samoan SWAT team was Fatu and Samu. Samu yeah. But this is the new Wild Samoans, which is Fatu and the Samoan Savage. What's crazy is they look, they have like the same body type. Like Except literally, for one if, you don't, if you can't see, see their, their faces, like, face, it's hard to tell them. The, o- the only difference is like, and the face is a big part of it. Samoan Savage has a mustache. And Fatu, who we know as Rikishi, Rikishi, who is starting, he still looks pretty fit here, but his ass is gaining girth, is and he has got a quite, quite the fat ass on this show. So we're headed off to our first match. Mm-hmm. We got Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Who we don't, they just say, well, I guess that they, one's Doom Technically, one. they are still yeah. just Doom 1, Doom, Doom 2, 2 at yeah. this point. With, with woman. woman and Nitron. Who is Nitron? Nitron, we talked about him because he showed up at the very end yeah. of, of our last NWA show to save Woman from harm, basically. But it's uh, his real name's Tyler Maine. Most people, 
he'll show up as a different name, as Big Sky later on in the oh, WCW. Yeah. But most people know him as Tyler Maine. He was Sabretooth in the original X-Men movie and as Jason in the Rob Zombie Halloween films. Okay, but what... Jason, you mean Michael Myers? Or Michael yeah, Myers, okay. I'm sorry. Like the X-Men, like the Brian Singer X-Men movies? Yes, the very first one. Okay. Cornette, we're told that Cornette's the color guy for the tag team bouts, which we kind of already talked about yeah, a little totally. bit. And Ross says something about the skyscrapers not being here. And Cornette tells us that Sid Vicious was injured. And we talked about this on the last show as well. Sid Vicious actually punctured a lung yeah, gross. in the match against the Steiners. And I don't know if it was kayfabe here or not, but saying that Vicious was just not medically cleared the yeah. day of the show. And so that's why the new Wild Samoans. Who knows how much kayfabe that was or not. Yeah. The match starts. Scott and Simmons traded blows until a power slam by Steiner. Scott head slams Simmons into the turnbuckle, tosses him to the opposite corner, and charges in. But Doom One gets his knee up. Simmons Irish whips Scott, ducks his head, allowing Steiner to leapfrog, turn, and hit a Steiner line. Ugh. So many Steiner lines. Doom one with a jawbreaker on Rick, then tosses Steiner to the ropes, who ducks a clothesline, turns to hit a German suplex on mm. Simmons. Reed comes in and gets a body slam for his troubles. Rick is tossed to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, leapfrogs a ducking Reed, and then turns and hits a power slam. At this point, Cornette brings up Japanese tournaments yes. that take place over weeks and not just one, one night. night. Yeah, he's like putting over this tournament being like, oh, this is a thing all over the world, but we're doing it all in one night. And I was all like, shout out to G1! G1. Hell yes. Atomic drop by Scott, followed by a small package for a near fall. Reed with a hip toss to escape the headlock of Rick, but Scott is right there for a backbreaker on him. Scott reverses an Irish whip, grabs hold of Simmons in a bear hug before dropping him with an inverted atomic drop. Goes for a clothesline, but Doom One ducks, sending Steiner over the top rope to the floor. And on the floor, Nitron and Reed team up to start working over Scott. Uh, back in the ring, Simmons with a power slam starts choking Scott, and Doom has the advantage. Simmons kicks Scott out of the ring so that Nitron and Reed can continue with the attack on the outside. And Doom One with a vertical suplex on Scott for a two count. But as Simmons is picking Steiner up, Scott cradles him for a small package for a near fall of his own. Bam. Doom with a back body, a double back body drop on Scott and more chokes from Simmons. And we get a call for five minutes remaining. No. And I didn't mention this, but all the matches had 15 minute time limits. Yeah. And they let you know they throughout do. the match. They, they tell you every five minutes. And I'll, yeah. I'll mention them when they... They don't 80, they they don't 84 NWA you. Exactly. We get an Alabama slam from Doom 1, but only a two count. Four minutes remaining. Simmons with a headlock on Scott, but using the ropes as leverage. Scott's hit with a double team back elbows from Doom. Simmons just steps on him as he is leaving the ring. And then Reed just throws Scott over the top rope to the floor. Reed looks to bring Scott in from the apron with a vertical suplex, but Steiner holds onto the ropes, Fuck yeah. allowing himself to fall on top of Reed. But the ref isn't in position uh, as he's trying to get Rick back into his corner. Man, solid, solid little spot. Reed looks to hit a pile driver, but Scott powers out with a back body drop, starts crawling toward his corner, but Doom 2 stops him, tossing him to the ropes, 
where Scott leapfrogs and hits a belly-to-belly suplex. Oh, uh, it's a good belly. Dude, how, how do you feel about any suplex that's not a vertical suplex? All suplexes are awesome. <laughs> all, all suplexes are equal in the eyes of the wrestling gods. Yeah. We got two minutes remaining. Scott makes his way finally to the corner for the hot tag. Rick in laying out Simmons, tosses him to the ropes to hit a power slam, hits a clothesline to send Doom 1 over the top rope, hits multiple Steiner lines on Reed. Mm. Simmons is back in to enjoy another Steiner line, but Reed recovers to hit Rick from behind. Doom goes for a double-team clothesline, but Rick ducks, and Nitron grabs Steiner's boot as he hits the ropes. Rick starts chasing after Nitron on the outside, hitting a Steiner line, but Simmons comes off the apron with a double axe handle. A Pier 6 brawl breaks out on the outside of the ring, and we have one minute remaining. Boo. Scott is posted. Looks to be a double countout, but Rick rolls in at the last second. And the Steiners win by countout. And it was a decent match with a sloth-ass ending. Continue. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. So the Just Steiners, so the Steiners the receive 15 points for the victory. Yeah. Post-match, Scott returns the ring post shot to Reed before leaving. And then we get Gary Capetta. He announces the singles competition competitors in the Iron Man tournament. Yes. And since the curtain that covered the entire stage is gone, we there's have four now littles. four single curtains. Yes. And as he announces each person, they lift the, up. the curtain rolls up. This place has a very high ceiling. It just like keeps Huge going. Keeps ceiling. going. But the competitors are it great. It looks kind of awesome though. It does. Great Muda. The Pearl of the Orient. The Great Muda. Sting. The Man from Venice. Beach, California. The Stinger, Surfer Sting. Lex Luger. The uh, Torture Rack Extraordinaire. If he has all the muscles that you don't. And Ric Flair. The Baby Arm Bandit. <laughs> so we get our second match, and it is Sting versus Lex Luger. And what do we get joined with in the most beautiful way? Terry Funk joins JR. As the color commentator for the singles competition. And in this like 15 minute like mini tournament show that isn't necessarily like too long, but it's not as exciting now as it would be then. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's like one of the things like we're watching it with like, you know, like 30 Rose, years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, we, we kind of understand how this works a little bit better, but at least we get Terry Funk. We get Terry Funk. So we get Terry Funk we talking about these matches. Yeah. That's very good. So the two men are going for crowd reactions, and Luger is not pleased because Sting no. just keeps getting all of the cheers. Yeah, Luger is getting booed hard, and he's definitely feeding into it amongst the crowd. So Lex is going down the entryway just like, whatever, I'm done with this. And Sting has to like make his way through security guards and cameramen to <laughs> yeah, get to it's him. really funny. Stinger starts attacking Luger, brings him back into the ring to continue with right hands and kicks. Sting goes for a crossbody. Lex moves, so Stinger goes flying over the top rope, but he hangs on. Dude, that spot. It's a good spot. But he lands on the apron. Luger goes for a clothesline, which Sting ducks and delivers a clothesline of his own. Sting then slingshots himself over the ropes for a splash, hits multiple clotheslines to send Lex to the floor. Luger grabs the Stinger's boot to trip him up and pull him to the outside, slamming his head on the apron 
goes for the guardrail, but Sting blocks and reverses to send Lex into the guardrail. Sting follows with a clothesline, slams Luger's head into the apron, and rolls him in, then comes off the top rope for, with a crossbody for a near fall. Sting starting this shit off hot. Mounted punches by Sting, but Lex looks to escape with an inverted atomic drop that the Stinger blocks, goes for a clothesline that Luger ducks, but Sting hits it on the second try. After an arm bar by Sting, Lex escapes by Irish whipping him to the corner where the Stinger leaps up and off the second rope for another crossbody. Luger tries another Irish whip, charges in, but Sting gets his knees up, delivers a drop kick, and goes for another crossbody, but Lex catches him and hits an inverted atomic drop. Another running inverted atomic drop from Luger, a <laughs> gut buster, tosses Sting to the ropes, delivers a big right hand to the gut, and begins to punt the Stinger to the floor. Boo. Lex continues the attack by slamming Sting into the guardrail, coming off the second rope with a double axe handle once they're back in the ring for a two count. Using bootlaces and ring ropes to rake the eyes of Sting, Luger is in control. I love when they do the... Uh, the bootlace move? Well, no, the uh, like when they drag their face across the ropes. It's always a fun spot. It's always a fun spot. It's like, oh, that can't, be, that can't feel too good. Also, like throughout the show, the commentary team is putting over like the, the champion of the 90s kind of thing. Like, who will be the champion of the 90s? Because Flair's been the champion of the 80s. He totally is and will forever be that. And we have three minutes remaining in this match. Both men begin to throw punches. Lex with a power slam goes for the torture rack, but Sting floats over. Hell yeah, he didn't, he didn't, get, he didn't work that back enough. Luger with axe handles across the back punches, kicks, but the Stinger starts no-selling and firing back. Sting Hogan, he, starts, he, he does the no-sell. Yeah, Hogan does the no-sell, but he's yeah. hulking up. Sting yeah, he's, just, he's Sting up. just no-sells. Yeah, it's kind of more of like a like the way that the Road Warriors do it, except for he does it like after he's already been beat up. Yeah. Whereas the Road Warriors kind of consistently do it all the time. Yeah, exactly. Two minutes remaining. Sting with four arms across the chest, chokes, a vertical suplex for a two-count, and Lex rolls to the floor. One minute remaining. Luger's head slammed into the guardrail and the apron. Both men are on the apron, and both men topple over the top rope oh, back fuck. into the ring with Lex on top for the pin as he has a hand and a foot on the yes, ropes for I leverage and the win. I hate this finish. The topple over the ropes looks ass horrible. Also... I'm pretty sure that like his like where they do like the third count like he's Sting is legitimately like in the air. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like maybe it's a later finish because there's a lot of weird finishes on this show, but like I feel like he's legitimately like in the air whenever they like do the third call, the third the third count. So Luger now has 20 points for a pinfall victory. I do love Luger booze, and I do love his crowd interactions. So our third match, Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Woman and Nitron versus the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering. The most invisible man in wrestling, Paul Ellering. 
Match starts basically standing drop kick by Animal on Reed. Hawk comes off the top rope with an axe handle to the arm of Doom 2. Hawk running the ropes goes for multiple shoulder tackles that Reed no-sells before ducking a clothesline, coming back off the ropes to deliver one of his own. Now Simmons and Hawk are both trying for shoulder tackles multiple times until Hawk catches Doom 1 with a power slam. We get a flying shoulder tackle by Hawk, Animal with a back elbow, until Simmons hits a back elbow and Reed Irish whips Animal, but he reverses and delivers an elbow to the head. Hawk with a standing drop kick, Irish whips Doom 2 to the corner, charges in, but Reed moves and Hawk goes flying shoulder first into the post. Posted. Reed with a catapult to Hawk that chokes him on the bottom rope. Simmons with a power slam on Hawk for a near fall, but has Hawk in a headlock with leverage on the ropes. A double team back elbows by Doom, a body slam, second rope elbow drop, flying clothesline by Reed for a two count. Those flying clotheslines. And we got five minutes remaining. Hawk with a shoulder tackle, falling fist, but Reed picks him up for a body slam, but Hawk is able to reverse and land on top of Doom 2. And Hawk makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. Animal flying shoulder block, a power slam. Simmons breaks up the count and a brawl breaks out until the ref can get Hawk and Simmons out of the ring. Reed is going for a pile driver on Animal when Hawk climbs to the top rope and comes off with a flying clothesline. Animal makes the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. And this, is, this looks really good on camera. Where he's like set up for the like pile oh, driver, like right in the, like, the ring. He's like, cameras yeah. right He's there. like got his arms hooked onto the guy for the pile driver, and he's like flies over them, and it, it looks really, really good. So the Road Warriors have twenty points yeah. for a pinfall victory, and we're off to our fourth match: Great Muda with Gary Hart versus Ric Flair with Ole and Arn Anderson. Ah, double A back in the cut. No longer a brain buster. No longer a brain buster. Back but to being a fourth horseman. Four horseman. Yeah. The uh, Gary Hart or Paul Ellering. I mean, Gary Hart at least talks. Sure. <laughs> I mean, like that's how I kind of feel about them. So yeah, sure. So Santa Norman is at ringside giving stuff away to the crowd. And we saw Norman pretty recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him at the last clash. Doing the same thing, basically. Yeah, it's, it's just like, kind of there. Yeah, it's like probably a joke on their television show or something. I assume so. Yeah. I want to, before we... Get into the match? Before we get into this show, deeply into the show, Ric Flair, I think this is the best Ric Flair gear. You think so? Yes. How do you feel about it? I will explain what Didn't it is, Didn't he have the pink tights this, this show? He has... I was always a green tights guy. Oh, yeah. I like I, green tights. He's got the, like... It's kind of like a, it might be more bright pink, but because of the cameras at the time, it kind of is like more peachy yeah. pink, but it's like pink and uh, purple. And I guess he wears a robe earlier, but he never really wears it to the ring. But I really like this look on his gross tan body and his like blown out, like halogen light hair. I think it's very fun. Match starts. Muda's running the ropes. Flair goes for a hip toss, but Muda blocks and punches Nature Boy. Muda with kicks, rabbit-mounted punches, handspring, back elbow, an elbow drop. Muda's like, seriously, everything he's doing is like so intense. 
it's all done with like such fervor. Like every single this is thirty seconds into this match, and it looks like he's gonna punch through people. Flair starts firing back with chops, hits an inverted atomic drop, a shin breaker, locks on the figure four. This early in the match. This early in the match. He didn't even. And and the commentators. Are it was even, only one shin breaker. And the commentators are even this is the saying that, like Flair. Usually his matches usually go a while, so he has a disadvantage. He's at a disadvantage because, because there's only 15 a fifteen minute yeah. time limit, and they were wondering will he be able to get his offense in? Yeah, quickly, especially like and like against the Great Muda. Like the Great Muda is the most explosive person in wrestling in yes. the U.S. at the moment. Exactly, like hands down, like in WWF, NW, CW, NWA, all of. America, there is probably nobody as explosive in that country as the Great Muda here. And he's already getting a figure four. So while he's in the figure four, Buzz Sawyer and the Dragon Master come running down to the ring, but the Andersons stop them before they're able to do any damage. And why do I care about this? Flair lets the hole go. He grabs Gary Hart, who's up on the apron, which allows Muda to kick him from behind. Muda hits a backbreaker, Heads to the top rope and comes off with a moonsault, but Flair gets his knees up. I knew he got his knees up before he got his knees up. Flair then with an inside cradle for the pin and the win. And I am pretty annoyed at this point. So Nature Boy now has 20 points for this yeah. pinfall victory. I and mean, I knew he wasn't going to win, but like... Give Muda something. This is his first loss. It was his first loss in WCW. Yeah. And it was less than two minutes. And it's fucking bullshit. I mean, job, I know, they, I know it's, don't I, build somebody up to job them out. I know it's Ric Flair. Yeah. But how is this a, you know what a could, way of... You know what he was also the television champion yeah. at the time. You know what it could have been so much better? Is if the Ric Flair uh, like worked him over. Or maybe worked over his back or whatever. So, and then... Muda still got the pin, but then he loses to Luger in a torture rack and like and Sting in a Scorpion Deathlock. But it's like, well, at least he got his win over there, and he doesn't look like a chump, and he got his like twenty points. But he loses his two other impressive guys. I would prefer almost a time limit draw here. Yeah, yeah, anything really. But like, I think that if if Ric Flair would have done the job, or would have made Muda look really, really great, and Ric Flair could still potentially win the whole thing, and Sting and Luger could put over Muda twice. Well, here's the thing. Muda's not going to be around. I know. He's about to I head know. back to Japan. I know, I know, I know. This is the reason why they job him out. I know. But we got really excited for a little bit because we got this late 89 Muda jam. I know. When I was like, oh, Muda Flair, I'm like, this is going to be great. And it's just like... Uh... That's the thing, man. Nope. It's not, not always great. Got. No. It's fine. Well, let's see if this fifth match is any better. So we have the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner versus the Road Warriors. And these guys are friends of at the Hawk time. And Animal with they're, Paul Ellering. They are buds. friends. They all shake hands or high five before the match begins. And this is actually the first time these two teams have ever faced each other. Yeah. The next time that they would face each other would be the mid-90s. That's crazy. The, before this, right when this match starts, JR does the like irresistible force versus the immovable object yep. uh, thing, and then 
Jim Cornette says probably the best thing of this whole show. The insensible force meeting the illiterate object. (laughs) And it might be... It's like, Jim Cornette is kind of the star of the show. You can cut that and paste it later, but I kind of feel that way. So you're saying we already know one of your... (laughs) Match starts. Scott keeps trying to take Hawk down with a single leg takedown, but instead Hawk hits an insiguri. Scott reverses an Irish whip, but Hawk catches the boot as he goes for a kick. But Steiner does a twisting flip to roll Hawk over into an ankle lock for a moment. It was weird looking, but But, cool at the same time. Yeah, it didn't look like a botch. It was just kind of... It was just different. Yeah. You know? It didn't look like a mistake. Mistake, yeah. It didn't look like that at all. We get a big clothesline from Hawk on Rick that sends him flying... Double back elbows from the Road Warriors, and Animal tosses Rick to the ropes. But Rick ducks a clothesline and returns with one of his own. Animal with a flying shoulder block goes for a bear hug, but Steiner reverses it into a belly-to-belly suplex. Fuck yeah, dude. Goes fuck for fuck the, your bear hug. Goes for the pin, but Hawk breaks it up. We get a military press slam by Hawk on Scott, and goes for a pin, but Rick breaks it up. So each team's breaking up these pins. Hell yeah. Scott Steiner really takes the brunt of some shit tonight. Oh, yeah. He sells like a madman in these matches. Hawk with a big boot to the face of Scott. Body slammed by Animal. Tries for a jumping elbow drop. But Steiner moves and delivers a belly-to-belly suplex. Scott then tosses Animal to the corner and charges in. But Animal charges out with a clothesline. Hawk with a Canadian backbreaker drop, which is... That move that he's been using where he like lifts them up on their shoulder oh, and then yeah. like drops their shoulder first onto mm. the on, onto on the his, knee. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really nasty looking. A gut wrench suplex. Scott fires back with a shot to the gut and takes Hawk to the top rope to deliver a super German suplex. But it kinda looked like Hawk forgot to how to help. Yeah. And so he landed on his head. Yeah, it was it was it was a dirty... It was slop. It was very nasty. Animals in with a bear hug on Scott. Steiner escapes with a pair of knee lifts, tosses the road warrior to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Animal to hit a knee lift of his own, and again Rick breaks up the pin. Hawk with a power slam, but Rick breaks up the pin, and now a brawl breaks out until Animal picks up Scott for a suplex, while Hawk comes off the top rope with a flying clothesline for the Doomsday, Doomsday Device. device. Do Doomsday Device potentially best name for a tag finisher? It's up there. Probably the best name for a tag finisher? I think so. I like it better than the Demolition Decapitation. Oh yeah, totally. Doomsday Device is way more clean sounding. The ref starts making the count. One, two, Scott Scott. gets his shoulders (laughs) up. Three, Steiner Brothers are the winners. And now have 35 points. It's, it's that, it's that weird finish where they do the bridging suplex and yeah. both men's shoulders are on the mat, mm-hmm. and then the guy who's on top gets his shoulder up, mm-hmm. so they get the win. Yeah, it's, it's a messy finish that we never like. It's it's sloppy and it's one of those things like people can pull that off now, but we've got the technology and the cameras. And those guys are going to like 
practice it. Yeah. And like get a fucking, you know, a bonus for pulling it off. It's like they're not, this is not like, and the thing is, is even the best guys on the planet, like Okada's not even going to have that finish. Like this is like, you're not going to do this finish. No. The only reason to do this finish is to kind of protect yeah. Both teams, well, to but, but, at both the same time, but at the same time, like, yeah. if that's the case, then just do somebody just else. do a count out just or don't a, protect them or a yeah. time limit. Do a time limit draw. It yeah. protects both teams. Uh, Cornette's actually going on about how it's the first time that he has ever seen the World Warriors be pinned. Yeah, and I went and did some research, and it's kind of true. And on traditional tag matches, mm-hmm. this was only the fifth time. They had been pinned since 1985, and that's basically when they joined the NWA. That rules. Like, they had lost, but most of the losses were by count-out disqualification. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. only the fifth time they, they had were been actually, like, pinned. They actually were bested. Yeah. And, like, literally the other four times was them losing the belts. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got to lose this belt, you're going to get it back, but we got to... We gotta, Pop the crowd. Exactly. To bring him back next fucking, in the next six months or whatever. And then we get a shot of a young lady on like some science scoreboard, like putting numbers up. You mean? Vanna White wannabe? J- no, JR's baby. Oh. I guess I don't know this. Oh, no, yeah. Jim Cornette said that uh, he heard him, uh, he asked if it was his daughter because he heard JR calling her baby earlier in the evening. JR easily. Closed up the shop and did not respond. <laughs> it's a good line by Cornette. <laughs> yeah. And we're headed to our sixth match. We got the great Muda with Gary Hart versus Sting. Before the match start, Muda spits his green mist high up into the air. Both are being... I, I guess I missed that because I remember later in the show, he's got the green mist on his like hand. Mm-hmm. I was like, when did he do that? But yeah, I guess I, I, guess I missed the, the spit, spit shot. Both men are being very cautious to begin, locking up in a test of strength, which Muda reverses into a full Nelson that Sting reverses into one of his own. After the ref forces the break up while they're in the corner, Muda throws a back elbow, followed by a mule kick to the Stinger. Yeah. Kicks, punches, a headlock by Muda, but Sting escapes by tossing Muda to the ropes, leapfrogs, and delivers a monkey flip, a clothesline, and a snap suplex for a near fall. Atomic drop by Sting, kicks the back of Muda's leg, and attempts to lock on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Muda makes it to the ropes before any damage was inflicted. Yeah, and there's a spot where, like, Muda, I think it's right after this, where Muda goes down to Gary Hart or whatever, and Gary Hart, like, rubs, like, Muda's belly. Like, like kind of like a deep... Good deep, panda. A Good deep, panda. deep massage. And I was like, oh, maybe that was a play to him, like, unlocking the mist or whatever. Because you know how sometimes he'll, like, touch his neck or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, maybe this match will be faster than I expected. But it wasn't. Maybe him and Gary Hart just, you know, had it like that. We get a back body drop, a snapmare, elbow drop, a modified butterfly lock by Muda. But Sting is finally able to roll over to escape. That modified butterfly lock was freaking Fuck, cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the butterfly suplex. Is that like there's other names for it, right? No, he had him like had his arms. Oh yeah, yeah, him, yeah. No, yeah. Like locked in uh, in this like lock. It's, I know what it's you weird mean. to explain. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But there's also like kind of a 
like weird like Nelson arm lock like suplex thing where you do kind of kind of like a like to the side like a belly to belly. Yeah, the butterfly suplex. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think I may have seen one or two of those. There's. I feel like there's another. Yeah, there's a couple of those in the show. But I do love that move. The stingers throwing right hands slams Muda's head into the turnbuckle. A press slam, a body slam, jumping elbow drop, and a reverse chin lock to wear Muda down. Muda is able to back sting into the corner to deliver some shoulder blocks into the gut, some kicks, some chokes, hits a backbreaker, and heads to the top rope for the moonsault. But Sting moves, and Muda... Muda lands on his feet this time. Hits a spinning heel kick, and Muda heads back to the top rope. I love the continuity of like, oh, he got it in the gut last time he did his moonsault, so this time he's going to land on his feet because he catches it. Stinger's up, hits a drop kick, which crotches Muda on the top rope. Sting then climbs up on the ropes, hits a superplex for the pin and the win. And Sting now has 20 points on the night. I know. And Muda has jobbed to a inside cradle and a superplex. What's really funny is... Not even their finisher. What's really funny is, like, Muda works his ass off the rest of his career. Sting works his ass off for a little while, but then he just carries a baseball bat around for a long time. And hides up in the... Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, to teach his own, I'm glad he got paid for doing that. But, like, he. And, like, but he was one of the greatest before that. And then, like, you know, Ric Flair, whatever, he's old. But Muda's out there in Japan still fucking, like. He's still doing it. Still, yeah, he's like. He's still owning the game the whole fucking time as soon as he leaves here. Granted, we get a lot of great sting after this. We do. We really do. We, we, haven't, we, even we, hit, we, we get, haven't even hit peak Sting yet. Yeah, we get another like five years of great Sting. Yeah. Until we get Sting doing nothing and being a character and collecting a check. And that's nothing against him. It's just what worked best because he was the guy at the time. Yeah. He was the guy that could be be the WCW to the NWO. But like right now we're not dealing in storylines like that. We're dealing in wrestling. And that's kind of why. So JR, Terry Funk, and Jim Cornette are all together. They're discussing what's happened so far in the show. They mention that Flair, Luger, and Sting are all tied with 20 points in the singles competition. Cornette predicts the Steiners are going to win, but thinks the Samoans still have a chance. They have yet to fight. They have yet to fight. And Funk goes with Luger as the winner in the singles competition. Be interesting to see how it goes. Luger has Luger has yet to fight. Luger's fought once. Yeah, against uh, Sting. So the seventh match of our night, the new Wild Samoans of Fatu and Samoan Savage, with the Big Kahuna Sir Oliver Humperdinck. What do they call him? Oh, I guess yeah, they they call him the Big Kahuna Oliver yeah. Humperdinck. But I was like, ah, what an ugly man. Versus Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Woman and Nitron. Santa Norman's back out delivering more candy to the kids. Just a fun little. Doesn't Nitron kind of look like a like thin big boss man? He does. Yeah, I agree. it's like it's like oh, like give him a couple inches, but he's got like that still that same like bad goatee. So Fatu and Reed lock up for a while to start the match until Doom Two hits a body slam. Reed goes for another slam, but Fatu floats over, picks Doom Two up for a running power slam. The two men start trading headbutts until they fall into their own quarter 
allowing their partners to tag in. Savage and Simmons trading right hands. Doom 1 hits a power slam, falling headbutt, but the Samoan is right back up, hitting a savat kick, and goes to the top rope for a splash, but Simmons moves. Doom 1 with a body slam, Reed with a knee lift, Savage tosses Doom 2 to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Butch to kick him, followed by a falling fist. Rabbit punches, a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall by Reed. Savage starts firing up with multiple elbows to the top of the head, but Doom 2 makes the blind tag, and Simmons is in to stop the momentum. Doom 1 tosses the Samoans to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Savage to hit a knee lift, but Simmons is still able to keep the Samoan from tagging. Reed comes off the second rope with an elbow drop, and we have 10 minutes remaining. Only 10 minutes? Yeah, that was the first five minutes of this match. I will say, Fatu not moving quite as well as he did. He still like they, he still looks okay. Yeah. But like I mean maybe it's the people he's going against. He's not going against like the the thinner, leaner rock and roll express. Midnight that, express. Or, or yeah, midnight or dynamic dudes. Yeah. It's like ah he gained like forty pounds in his ass. It's pretty impressive how fat that ass got. Butch with a clothesline tosses Savage to the floor where Simmons slams his head against the guardrail before tossing him back in the ring. Reed tosses the Samoan to the ropes, but Savage comes back with a sunset flip for a two count. Butch attempts a bulldog on the Samoan, but is tossed uh, off, but is again stopped from making a tag with double team maneuvers. I love the bulldog always looks great, but the toss off of the bulldog. Yes. It's like, oh, like this is super... It makes a lot of sense, visually. Simmons hits a body slam, goes to the second rope for a flying shoulder block, but Savage moves, makes it to his corner for the hot tag. Fatu in throwing punches, flying headbutt on Reed, all four men brawling in the ring. Reed Irish whips Fatu, but their heads collide, causing Butch to fall to the mat and Fatu to the ropes. What does that mean for us? Big Kahuna then pushes Fatu off the ropes on top of Doom 2 for the pin and the win. Bum, bum, bum. One of the better finishes? I mean, we've seen this finish a couple shows ago. It was early. Terry Gordy came out and put. It was the uh, Michael Hayes Lex Luger match. Oh, okay. We saw the same finish and it was done then. Was that AWA? No, it was. Oh, it, was it was like. Great American Bash or something like that. I think it works better in a tag match. I think this was kind of, for for the, this being a tournament. I think this was kind of fun. This was probably one of the better finishes. This is more the... excusable for sure. Like for I can sure. understand you talking shit, but like with what we're doing, it's like we're doing four tags and four singles. That is not very many guys for a three-hour show. This is a two-hour and fifty-minute show. It's a two-hour and fifty-minute show, and every single match is. Like, there's literally only two matches that don't go, like, almost 15 minutes. Yeah. I watched a two-hour and 15-minute show last night with only four matches, and there was, like, 30 people on the show. Just saying. We're headed off to our eighth match, and we got Lex Luger versus Ric Flair. Flair does the four horsemen hand signal, and the crowd cheers. Can you hear this microphone? Because we're doing the four horsemen, because we're... We are two of... We're marks. We're marks for the four horsemen. I mean, if... We added our weight and divided it by a four. It's probably four adult humans. 
Maybe. Probably. <laughs> Probably some thin boys, but they're uh, they're still adult boys. We get a Luger sucks chant, and Lex reacts by going to the outside. Yeah, I love this heel Luger where he really plays to the crowd. I do too. I think it's really good. The two men start trading side headlocks and pin attempts back and forth. A chop fest by Flair, and Luger tries to escape to the outside, but Nature Boy just follows him out, continuing with the chops. Back in the ring, Flair reverses an Irish whip, hits a back body drop, some kicks, more chops, and starts working on the arm. Which hurts enough that Lex is still able to taunt the crowd while he's in this arm lock. Hey, Luger must pose. Hammerlock by the Nature Boy, hitting multiple knees to the arm, and Luger finally escapes with a knee to the back. Lex tosses Flair to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Natch to hit an elbow to the back of the head, followed by a double underhook suplex for a near fall. Here's that suplex you were talking about. Oh, yes, thank you. Nature Boy is tossed to the ropes, ducks a Luger clothesline, and turns and hits a massive chop to send oh. Lex to the mat. Fucking JR says this about Lex Luger. Chest wide... As an interstate to heaven. <laughs> and it's so good. It's like he's got a chest wide as interstate to heaven, and Ric Flair is just chopping it to pieces. Flair just continues to wrench on the arm between every move to wear Luger down. Lex finally gains control after a thumb to the eye and raking the eyes on the ropes. What's really funny is about this time, there's a small child in like the first or second row that's just like yawning. And I'm like, come on, man. This is some. This is. This is Better than some of the other shit. But what does he know? Flair is tossed to the ropes, floats over Luger, and attempts a schoolboy pin and multiple small packages for two counts. Back to the chops of the arm lock until Luger hits a rubber band slam, ramming Nature Boy's head into a turnbuckle. Lex with kicks in the corner, a clothesline, multiple falling forearms to the chest, and we have five minutes remaining. No. Boot laces to the eyes, more forearms across the chest, and a press slam by Luger that sends Flair to the floor. Lex snaps Rick's neck on the ropes and chokes him with a boot. Four minutes remain. No. Luger, no. Ad- Luger attempts a vertical suplex, but Flair blocks and reverses it into one of his own. Three minutes. Lex tosses Nature Boy to the ropes, attempts a hit toss that is blocked, and reversed into a backslide pin attempt. Oh, is that, is that the real sloppy backslide? Yes. I'm sure we've seen a few sloppy backslides. That's hard to say. Chops by Natch, right hands by Luger. We get the flare flip, who lands oh, on the apron, yes. runs right. to the next turnbuckle, and goes for a crossbody. <sighs> I was so stoked. Such but, a good spot. But Lex hits a clothesline yes, he as he comes does. off the ropes. Not even a gut. Normally it's the gut shot. It was a close. But he had a fucking close. He's so tall, he can do it. Two minutes remaining. Jesus. Christ. Nature Boy's on the apron. Goes for a sunset flip for a two count. Luger stalking Flair with right hands. One minute remains. Boo. Nature Boy goes to the top rope, but Lex with the press slam to the mat goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Flair moves. Yes. Thirty seconds. Natch with a back suplex goes to lock on the figure four. But the ref calls for the bell as the time limit is up. So it's a good match, slop, a sloppy execution, because they just don't really let you in on the time thing because it's a weird small tournament. It'd be different if it was like the third big feud of a like year long feud. 
I was okay with it. This is at the point where, like, because they're doing this point system, yeah, that they have to start doing certain finishes in the next few matches to make the points work for what they want to do, basically. Well, yeah, was this... Man, it's hard to tell because these finishes are weird, but is this the one where they, like... There was... This one's not... Where it's timed out, where it's like, oh, we're trying to hit the like one two, but the time's out. No. Okay. He had the figure four arm on, yeah. and Luger just didn't give up before yeah, the time yeah. ran out. Okay. So we're headed to our ninth match. Already, that's crazy, sir. The new Wild Samoans of Fatu and Samoan Savage with the big Kahuna, Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Do you miss Samo? I miss Samo. Uh, maybe a little bit. Heads up, this match is. Kind of amazing. Versus the Steiner brothers of Rick <laughs> and Scott Steiner. Matt no-sold me. <laughs> he obviously doesn't feel the same way I do. To be honest, I don't really remember what uh, Understandably, understandably so. But I just, I remember it because there's a really, there's a very good comedy spot that I appreciated a lot. But I'm also the Rick guy. That's true. You, you, so you I, remember, I remember my Rick stuff. Scott picks up a young fan on the way to the ring and lets him sit in a chair at ringside yeah. with his championship belt. Oh yeah, and it those looks two like, little. Those and it looks like Scott boys. did this or Rick did the same thing, but it, they didn't show Rick picking it's the so fan. It's so cute up. those two little boys with the thing. But when they enter the ring, both teams on all fours. Well, basically, they just keep both teams just keep mocking each other. Yes. Because like the Wild Samoans are doing a ceremony before the match, and Rick and just, Rick like, just keeps like he's like keeps. Like walking over and like and like doing the like arm lift the while arm they're lift, do- yeah. yeah it's like they're doing a ceremony and he's mocking and doing the ceremony with them and it's very funny. I do remember this now that I've read this line. It's it very, was very it's funny. very funny. Match starts. Spot two with a body slam goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Rick moves and tosses the Samoan to the ropes and delivers a Steiner line. At this point, one of Fatu's braids. Falls out, so Rick picks it up and puts it. It's so amazing. Like so, Rick wears the the head. Like yeah, he wears like the gear, weird like. And so we like gear, stick it gear. under the band. Yeah, he so like holds like, it up in front of the camera and like sticks it in, and he's like he'll. And then after he puts it in, he like does his whole like square up like wrestling stance. Yeah, and it'll like fall in front of his face, and he like push it back, and it'll fall in front of his face, and he pushes it back. It's fucking funny. It's fucking stupid. It's so funny. Fatu starts walking down the entryway, but the Savage and the Big Kahuna convincing to come back to the ring after dealing with some of Atlanta's he was, finest. He was really sad about that hair pull. Did you see the fan like, like start yelling? That guy was lit. And like the police officer yeah. like, that was standing right there had to like jump in between yeah. them to keep him. I've been drunk in public, but I've never like yelled at talent. Holy shit! A guy that's twice your size. Yeah. Not no. Smart. No. Thank you. Not smart. But yeah, he was like, he was talking mad shit. It was 89. Maybe he was one of the eight yuppies in Atlanta. Back in the ring, the Samoan tosses Rick to the ropes, who comes back with a hip toss attempt that is blocked, and then is laid out with a Fatu clothesline. Rick reverses an Irish whip, hits a Steiner line to send the Samoan to the outside. And exactly, Matthew, what is a Steiner line? It's a clothesline by one of the Steiners. Fuck yes, thank you. The two Samoans switch places because the ref is dumb and can't tell them apart <laughs> uh, since they have the same hair and tights. Ooh, they do. I think their tights are like ones on the left and ones on the right, like the blue. I mean, 
But they seriously you can't really tell them outside of the well. mustache. They have very similar body exactly. types. I uh, I agree with you completely. Ten minutes remain. Savage tosses the rope. Scott with a leapfrog turns to hit a Steiner line and goes for multiple pin attempts. The Samoan claims to the ref that Scott pulled his hairs to start. So Scott starts asking the crowd, and they let the ref know the truth. Uh, where was Teddy Long here? I know, right? It would have been great for this. Savage pushes Rick back into the Samoan corner so that Fatu can hold him when Savage fires away with a big right hand that Steiner ducks so that Fatu takes the brunt of the hit, knocking him to the floor. The two Samoans start arguing in the ring, and Rick is egging on the fighting. He's just like, yeah, hit him, hit yeah, him. Yeah, just do it, fuck it. But the Samoans hug instead. Aw, that was cute. I like that. Scott tosses Savage to the ropes, attempts a drop kick, but the Samoan holds onto the ropes and tosses Steiner to the outside. Fatu crotches Scott on the guardrail before rolling him back into the ring. A headbutt by Savage, Fatu with a headbutt to the gut, double headbutts by the Samoans on Scott. Damn. That's a lot of heads to butts. Uh, how strong are their heads? Are they as strong as coconuts? Would you, is that a, a thing that Jim Cornette might say? I believe that might be something he would say. We get a double-team clothesline, but Scott is tossed over the top rope to the floor by Savage. Shouldn't that be a DQ? Top rope? It was tossed We're in the top NWA? Yeah. Probably top rope. So, I mean, you know, I think that's dumb, but we they've been talking about it for a long time now. We haven't brought it up in a few shows, so I thought I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott's up on the apron, fights back with a sunset flip, but the Samoan stays up and double thrusts down. The Samoan Savage then locks a bear hug on Scott. Five minutes remain. Steiner's looking to escape. The Savage with a low blow, a double thrust kick by the Samoans, choking him and locks on the bear hug again. Not a bear hug. Scott finally escapes, starts to run the ropes, but is hit with a power slam by Savage. Not the power slam. Two minutes remain. Scott goes for a backslide pin attempt, but the ref is distracted so it only gets a two count. Who is the ref distracted by? I assume Fatu. Obviously. Frankensteiner by Scott. Jesus. But the Samoans keep him from making a tag. Fuck yes. Another sunset flip by Scott for a near fall. One, One minute minutes. remains. Savage with a body slam goes for a splash, but Scott moves. Fatu jumps in the ring, so the ref goes to get him back into the corner when Scott makes the tag. Rick's throwing right hands on both Samoans, flying Steiner line on both. Fatu charges at Scott, who back body drops him over the top rope. Woo! Over the top rope. Woo! While Rick punches Savage through the ropes. The Big Kahuna's then yelling at the ref, and the ref calls for the bell. Did the Big Kahuna remind the ref how to do his job? The new Wild Samoans win by DQ... Because they were thrown over the top rope. I hate it. You hate it. Jim Cornette hates it. We've had this rule for six years. Yes. And it's never been enforced. Maybe it was enforced early on and we were just like, I don't get it. But they also wouldn't tell us either. It was not enforced. No. But they talk about it. They talk about uh, it. And they tell us about it. And we go... That's a dumb rule. It sucks. Every fucking, time we mention yeah, it. It sucks, but it's not good. And then they use it as a finish in this match. <sighs> to put the Samoans under. The Samoans are good. Because it gives them 10 points 
Yes. And 30 points overall. I love the explanation that Cornette gives. What does he give? He says that he saw the disqualification out of the corner of his eye. But I'm like, one, the replay even shows that the ref is not looking at it at all. And then he doesn't react for at least a good 10 seconds after it happens. This finish sucked balls. It stinks on ice. But there's a thing to take away from this match where Scott Steiner gets... Scott Steiner gets crotched, and Jim Cornette says this beautiful sentence. I hope he has no firm plans for the evening. It was obviously a dick joke, and it was fucking hilarious. (laughs) And I love him for a lot of reasons, but holy shit, that was very good. He said, I hope he has no firm plans for the evening. And he didn't sell it like I did. He just sold it like Jim Cornette would, and it was very, very good. Our 10th match of the night, Great Muda with Gary Hart versus Lex Luger. Please tell me that Lex Luger does not win this match. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Lex is limping to the ring after being hurt by the figure four by Flair. It's good. It's a good sell. I liked I love, it. I love this. I, I like this a lot. lot. Back and forth to start off until Luger tosses Muda to the ropes, leapfrogs him, but when he lands, his leg buckles and Lex falls to the mat. I, I love I love Lex sells this match very beautifully. Muda starts going after the leg like a man possessed. Uh, the only thing that Muda can do is be possessed. Luger rolls to the outside to escape, but Muda follows to continue the attack. Muda jumps on the leg while is draped across the bottom rope multiple times. Lex escapes, goes for a vertical suplex, but the leg gives once again. The ref keeps asking if Luger wants to stop the match. Yeah. Lex is draped, draped across the corner ropes and Muda is kicking away on him. Muda with the Irish whip and you see Luger stumble his way across the ring. And Muda charges in with a handspring back elbow. Muda is wrenching on the ankle, but Lex escapes with an eye rake. Hits multiple elbow drops for a two count. Muda takes Luger right back to the mat with kicks to the bad leg. Rolls Lex over into a half crab. And then switches into the Muda Lock. Oh, that Muda Lock is nasty. Luger makes it to the ropes. Or he finally just reached up. Because yeah, he's yeah. like next to the ropes the entire Yeah, yeah, time. they were all right there. Five minutes remaining. There's more work on the leg by Muda. Luger starts firing back with right hands. A spinning heel kick by Muda to knock him back down. Three minutes remain. Muda tosses Lex to the ropes. Delivers a drop kick that drops Luger, but Lex is back up with a desperation clothesline. Luger's fighting back again with kicks, right hands. Muda starts trading blows until Lex Irish whips Muda to the corner and delivers a back body drop. Two minutes remain. Luger with a hip toss, tosses Muda to the floor. Muda's back up on the apron, gives a shoulder block, and goes for a sunset flip. But Lex grabs hold of the ropes to stay up. But the ref kicks his arms off and Muda's able to complete the move for the near fall. What was the ref kick? Because it was... Because you're not supposed to hold on to the ropes. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, we can't break this, so I have to use my feet because you're... He just kicks them off. Yeah. It's dramatic. I've seen it before. I was just kind of one of those things. It's been a... I don't... You don't see this around this time very often. Luger hits a power slam and we have one minute remaining. Lex calls for the torture rack, tries to lift him, 
but can't do it with the bad leg. Fuck no. He turns towards Muda, who all of a sudden sprays the green mist in his face. <sighs> the ref calls for the bell, and Lex Luger wins by DQ, giving him 10 points for the victory and 35 for the tournament. At least Muda kind of left with some fuck you attitude, where he's like, yo, I don't need your fucking bullshit. What's the point of this match going almost 15 minutes if you're literally going to have him turn around and then just all of a sudden be like, I don't need this and spray the green mist? I mean, you don't know where you don't know if their relationship is truly going to end at this point in time or not. But, you know, he's about to go back to Japan. So at least you have an open end force for a good pay-per-view headline match if Lex ends up being the guy in the future. So, like, it is kind of intelligently open-ended, but in hindsight, like, Muda never comes back like that. Or is it they were victims to their own scoring system and they need Luger not to be at 40 points? Well, yeah, it's obviously they don't want to give the Jap any points because he's going back home. That's part of it. And Luger is the heel. He's the one heel in the whole show. In this, it's like well, Muda. Muda's a heel. Muda's a heel, but people like Muda. He's still a heel, though. He's still a heel, but he's not a heel like Lex is a heel. He was a face. We watched that show, and there was people with like Muda signs, like the second pay per view. It was fucking great. Because Muda's just fucking cool. Immediately, like exactly, and that's. Let's head off to I, our eleventh match. We're gonna get deeper wrestling. We're like ah. The new Wild Samoans of Fatu and Samoan Savage with Big Kahuna Sir Oliver Humperdinck versus the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering. And basically, they kind of run down the scenarios of what will happen with each each finish. But basically, if either team gets a pinfall or submission, they will win the tournament in this match. Yeah. So Fatu starts off strong with Animal, giving thrust chops, right hands, hits a pile driver... The animal no-sells. I know, dude. And hits a clothesline. Fuck. You can't no-sell a pile driver, can you? I feel like that's one of the moves that you probably shouldn't no-sell. I agree completely. It's like I was like, nah, dog. You can't be doing that. Savage is upset that the crowd has started an LOD chant, and Hawk just grabs him from behind, pulling him down to the mat. The two men start trading blows until Hawk hits a back-body drop on Savage. The Samoan hits an inverted atomic drop, back suplex, a headbutt, but Hawk starts staring Savage down, tossing him to the rope, and hits a drop kick. Cornette and JR are talking about how the Steiners don't control their own destiny. And I was like, in my head, I went, technically, they could come down to the ring, get the Samoans DQ'd. Yeah, they could. And they would win the tournament. Yeah, but they're friends. But they're good guys and they're friends. And they're also dummies. So that won't happen. And also, like, you know, Scott Steiner has a bunch of Shonies to run later in his life so he needs to do at least simple math math was never scott steiner's forte <laughs> uh what does rick steiner do these days i rick steiner is kind of my heartthrob i love him so much animal with the power slam running the ropes leapfrogs fatu an elbow to the head fatu with an irish whip hits a headbutt to the midsection oh yeah the head uh, the quote-unquote midsection it's supposed to be like the the junk the bread basket Savage with a thrust kick chokes, a back rake, snapmare, and a reverse chin lock to wear down Animal. Is Hulk Hogan here? 
I heard you say back rake. I heard you say bitch ass shit. The Samoan with a body slam goes for a quarter slingshot splash, but animal moves and makes it to the corner for the hot tag. Hock in with chops, a flying clothesline, all four men brawling, and Savage hits a thrust kick to send Hawk to the floor. Fatu climbs to the top rope, but Animal with a shot, and Fatu crushes himself on the turnbuckle. Animal ducks a clothesline by Savage, misses a clothesline, but Hawk then comes off the top rope with a flying clothesline on the Samoan for the pin and And the the win. Dude, the Road Warriors flying shoulder blocks and flying clotheslines. They're great. They look amazing. But the finish was a little messy. I think someone got into the wrong spot. That's why this whole, like, yeah. missing a clothesline, ducks and clothesline, that kind of thing happened. It's not as good end. as the one where, like, Scott Siner took the clothesline from the Road Warriors earlier in the night. Yeah. Like, that looked amazing. And this was, I feel like, kind of, like, supposed to be the, like, inverted version of that in a weird way. Like, we're going to do a version of that finish again so the Road Warriors kind of get it as well. But so the Road don't. Warriors get 20 points for the victory and the winners of the Iron Team Tournament with 40 points. And uh, my boy and his brother come down to celebrate. That's right. The Steiners do come down to the ring to celebrate the Warriors' win with hugs and handshakes. They really do. It's good. And then we're off to our 12th match, the main event. Sting versus Ric Flair. And this tournament is just for... Bragging rights. Bragging rights for, they, like... They never say who what the winner for of... For, like, uh, like, contender rights. They don't really say. Because, like I said, the Road Warriors and the Steiners never face each yeah, other again have, for yeah. five years. So, oh. it was literally just for bragging rights, basically. And here we are with Sting and Ric Flair, and Sting hasn't had the big title. Rick has it, but, like, if Sting beats him, he doesn't get the title. So is this just a way for Sting to not get the title, or a way for him to? Literally, this turn it this it was just yeah. a yeah. way of having it's, these. It's kind of like the wrestling show. classic was really fun, and I liked it, but I feel like this is kind of a little too late for this kind of show. So there's actually a little bit of a story. Hell yeah! Behind Sting and Flair. So after Halloween Havoc, when they teamed up against Muda and Terry Funk, yeah, you remember Ole Anderson was there. Uh, had the towel yeah, for yeah. them in that match. Flair, Ole, and a returning Arn Anderson reformed the Four Horsemen. Yeah, so it's the And they welcomed is. Sting into the fold. Yeah. So Sting was a Four Horseman when this show happened. So basically you had two Four Horsemen facing off against each other in yeah. this match. Kind of crazy, but it's also, it's like, well, it's Sting. He just kind of happened to be a Four Horseman at this point. So, once again, they discuss the, what could happen with the different results of, of the match. But basically, it boils down to if either win by pin or submission, they win the tournament. Yeah. And the two men shake hands before the match starts. And we see Sting running the ropes. And Flair tries for a hip toss, but the Stinger blocks and reverses into one of his own. We get a, woo! And a Stinger scream. What does a Stinger scream sound like? Side headlock into a hammer lock by Nature Boy. Sting takes Flair down with a step toe hold. Natch lifts the Stinger up on the top rope for a clean break. I do love a good toe hold. It is good. It, uh, yeah, a good toe hold is good. It looks nice. 
Flair's running the ropes, Sting with multiple leapfrogs and hits a press slam. Flair seems to be getting a little upset as he shoves Sting, and the Stinger shoves him right back. Hell yeah. And this is where JR says, first annual Future Shock, and I'm like, yo, you guys are not doing this again. Let's hope not. I, I don't think that they do, but I was like, please, God, no. I need my Starcade to be a Starcade. Sting's running the ropes. Natch goes for a hip toss, but Stinger blocks and reverses into a backslide pin attempt. Flair nails Sting with chops, but Sting starts firing back with a hip toss, multiple drop kicks, and a clothesline for a near fall. Flair backs off like he is hurt to entice Sting in with a false sense of security, kicks him, and tosses him to the floor. Natch with chops runs Sting into the guardrail. A rubber band slam wants the Stingers back on the apron. <sighs> And brings him back into the ring with a stalling vertical suplex for a two count. Uh, I love a real slow suplex. We all do, right? Uh, of course. The longer you're suspended in the air, the harder the impact, right? Because all the blood rushes to the head. Yeah. Flair goes for the running knee drop, chops, turns an ab stretch into a pin combo, and then a small package. That was kind of crazy, right? It was. It was like that ab stretch is like, this makes no sense. I was like, why is Ric Flair doing an ab stretch? And then all of a sudden he turned it into a yeah. pin. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think they even called it potentially an Oklahoma roll. And I was like, oh, that's not right. But it's definitely a roll up. Another vertical suplex, multiple Irish whips to the turnbuckle, and Nature Boy has complete control. A double underhook suplex, and Flair tosses Sting to the turnbuckle again. But the Stinger comes flying out with a clothesline. Natch rolls out to the floor, and Sting follows out, who begins to no-sell Flair chops. Oh, uh, get those, those Sting no-sells. Because he, like, kind of sells them, where he's like, yo, this hurts, but fuck you. Where he'll, like, take the hit, and, like, turn his head, and be like, fuck, and then, like, lean back in. On the apron, Nature Boy with an elbow to the head, but Sting jumps into the ring with a sunset flip, but Flair stays up and punches down. Nature Boy goes out to the apron and looks to suplex Sting to the outside, but it's reversed to bring Flair back into the ring. Four minutes remain. More no-sold chops, mounted punches by Sting, a hip toss, a clothesline, Irish whip to the turnbuckle, followed by a Stinger oh, splash. Oh, shit. Sting locks on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Flair makes it under the ropes right away. He really does. It's like very frantic. Nature Boy hits a shinbreaker and locks on the figure four, but Sting makes it to the ropes. To the trade-off, the big trade-off. Three minutes remain. Natch working on the leg, chops, a running knee drop, snapmare into a side headlock that Sting reverses into a head scissors, but Flair reverses it into a jackknife pin attempt that the Stinger bridges out of... And into a backslide pin attempt. And it's a kind of a lot. But it's such a good spot. Yeah, this match is kind of a lot. But it could have been more. One minute remain. Nature Boy goes for the shim breaker again. Drapes the leg over the ropes. Jumps on it. 30 seconds remains. Flair goes for the figure four. But Sting pulls him over into an inside cradle. For the, the pin! And the win! And I was so... So excited. This whole show, this was the match that got me like pumped. It took 12 matches, but they finally got you. Yeah, and I'd imagine you probably felt the same way. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So Sting, obviously, wins the match yes. and the tournament. Mm -hmm. 
Post-match, the Andersons come down to the ring. And here's the thing about the Four Horsemen. Usually, when they kick someone out of the Four Horsemen, yeah. it's a beat down in the ring. So, mm-hmm. when the Andersons come down, everyone's kind of like, oh, they're fixing to kick Sting out of the Four Horsemen. If they don't. But Flair shakes his hand. Yeah. And the Andersons raise his hand. And Arn raises his hand, yeah, and always behind him. But then they start... I think that the like video that we watched is probably the like VHS tape mm-hmm. because they start doing some you know audio interview stuff while the credits roll. So we then go to Gordon Solis yeah. on the stage with the Road Warriors. Hawk says Atlanta knows who the Iron Men are. Yeah, and then Gordon says he's waiting on Sting to show up on the stage so they can interview him, but the credits start playing, but then we can hear. Yeah. Kind of a little bit over the credits. Well, you hear the, like, Both uh, Sting and Flair yeah. do an interview. I couldn't understand what I exactly they were saying because the yeah. music was playing so loud. Before that went off, like, the Road Warriors, they're like, oh, we are the Iron Men, and we proved it, and we come out to the that song, and that's why we come out to the song, blah, blah, blah. But I was really surprised that Sting didn't get the beat down. I really assumed I it. I was, too. Yeah. So, Michael Temple. Yes. Overall thoughts of Starcade nineteen eighty nine. It was better than I would say better than Halloween Havoc. Uh, I would say better than Halloween Havoc, but kind of tied for least good eighty nine NWA show. Like it's one of those things. Like if you told me you preferred Halloween Havoc and I preferred Starcade eighty nine, like I wouldn't argue that. I probably wouldn't argue with it too much. I either. think that I may have may have enjoyed this more a lot of it probably because of the probably because of the commentate commentating table the main event yeah like i think that i think this was fine so my thoughts kind of the tournament was a neat idea I, I, i get what they're going for it's just But the finishes to the matches were either not good or nonsensical. Well, I mean, they're better than a lot of the stuff that we have seen in the NWA, but like we're getting to the point where it's kind of more inexcusable. I mean, I literally felt like Muda, Luger, Flair, and Sting. We were going to get some pretty good matches. Yeah. And the thing is, is actually, most of the matches themselves... 14 to 15 minutes. Well, I mean, they, Here's the thing. They are like, good, but they have rushed finishes. Like 14 minutes? Yeah. 14 of the 15-minute matches are good. Yeah. It's literally the finish yeah. of every match is just like, what? Just Let's just have a clean pinfall. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, I get it. It was fine. The thing is, is like, oh, I know it's a tournament. I've been watching this for a while. I can't imagine I'm going to be completely surprised. I thought Ric Flair would win, but the title wasn't on the line. So, of course, Sting won. Yeah, Wouldn't what, have been mad if Flex won. The, knew Muda wasn't going to win. Once I knew the belt wasn't on the line, I, yeah. I, I feared they were going to probably put either Sting or Luger over. Well, Luger already has a belt, so that's when I assume Sting. It's possible, but it's always kind of been in kayfabe that the U.S. champ is technically should be the number one contender for... For the world championship. Yeah, yeah. And so they could have used that as a 
just to build on Luger's heel persona as well. Yeah, but they could also. I mean, I because the I last think about time because remember the last time Flair and Luger fought, Luger was the face and Flair was the heel. Yeah, so they could have they could have worked something where now Luger is the, the heel has way. been very very good. Luger is the heel is very fun. Yeah. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. All right. So what are some of your best moments of this night? Uh, Muda came in hot and fast. I loved all the Muda moments that I did get. Zing is consistently very good, but my favorite shit from the show is... Rick Steiner and the Smoans. Uh, well, I love Rick Steiner as well. But I think that the thing that kept this like pretty solid show overall more entertaining for me is the swap between the Jim Cornette and the commentator and, and, and the Terry Funk where it's like oh like I know the all these guys can deliver and they're not delivering the best matches they can have against each other but they are delivering you know their weird tag matches and their weird singles matches they have to do for this show I literally the moments I, I think I basically already said like I liked the matches. I did too. Like, most of the matches. Yeah. The finishes were just... Yeah. Trash. And, I mean, that's... So that's my best moment and my most disappointing moment is that, like, literally, how can I like 95% of a match of a match, like shit? But it just, like, freaking taints it completely yeah. with this nonsensical ending. Yeah. Because, like, literally, that Muda Luger match... Mm-hmm. Luger, Luger selling the, the, the Luger, leg injury. Luger sold like a motherfucker. I think amazing. that 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 would probably Honestly, be my favorite yeah, moment. I will I will agree with you. I will give the like. Uh, I would pay- almost give Luger best performer of the night. Just no, for yeah. That. I will I will I'll go with you with that. I will I will double down. His selling of that leg was fantastic. But the, the ending where, because with uh, Muda just spraying the mist like. That was Muda it's just beca- being like, because, hey, fuck you, whatever. But it's not Muda. It was, they needed Luger to be at 35 points. Yeah. Because Stinger, Stinger Flair needed to win yeah. to hit 40 points. It was it was a reasoning because no, of the no, point no. system. I, tot- and it was I totally get it. Totally dumb. But the thing is, like, Muda wasn't going to stick around. It's okay for Muda to lose. Yeah. If he's not going to stick around. I, I hate, like... He he already lost a flare in yeah. in less than two minutes. Yeah, which was so, fucking was sucked. so dumb. It fucking sucked. But like all but at the, this point he's now lost to Flair and he's lost to Sting. Yeah. I don't even with Luger having, you know, selling the leg injury, like do something different than yeah. like if you if you want to do the disqualification with the miss thing, do it just earlier in the match. Don't give me this great fourteen minute match. And then yeah. with like forty five seconds left, yeah, have, he just goes, yeah. "I'm done with this." Like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Ha, have, like, you have forty five seconds yeah. left. You could have Luger come down with like and sell the leg or whatever, and then like come off of the fucking ropes and deliver like a devastating clothesline. Muda bounces up, fucking does the mist because he's like, "Oh, maybe he's not as hurt as I thought he was." And then he just like shoots the mist, right? Yeah, after, basically like, just be like, lines. I don't want to deal with this. Spray the mist, be done with yeah. the match. He's like, I, I don't have time to, yeah. He's like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm not going to win. Exactly. I'm mathematically eliminated. Let me make an enemy and go back home. Exactly. But, so it's just, 
it, it, but, hurt, it hurt me watching yeah, this show yeah. because but, I was just like, like I take, wanted to like it. Take and, a take a step or two back and realize that like this is really important for like the crossover of Japanese and American wrestling, and this is a big part of Japanese wrestling fandom in the United States. Like the Muda WCW NWA stuff is kind of the beginning of all of that. Agree. It's like pre tape trading. Is there anything other than the finishes that's disappointing for you on this show? I just kind of wanted a more traditional show. I knew that that's not what we were going to get because, you know, we had talked about it before going into the show. So I was kind of hoping that since, like, the last show or two of 89 were not as great as earlier 89 NWA shows, that I was really hoping we would end out on, like, a high note. A super high note. And I don't think this was a low note, but this was a kind of flat note. It's a very flat note. Yeah. How we described a couple matches a few weeks ago. Yeah. Like, none of these mat- none of these matches ended with periods. They no. were literally all Ellip- ellipses. ellipses. Yeah. If 89 could... If the last three shows of 89 ended as strong as the majority of 89. Like, the first... It might be the best. Six months of 89, and then... The Funk Flare. I quit. I quit match. Great. All great stuff. Yeah. And that's and but the thing is is those highs are so good that eighty nine is still probably incredible. The, incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's but, on a sour note at the end. Yeah. But it's still incredible. It's, it's it's definitely incredible. I think we're kind of in the same boat, but we're like, man, I wish for more, but I've seen less. And you're just like, damn. Exactly. Anything surprising on this show? Jim Cornette on the microphone and none of his tag teams in the ring. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. I know. Having a show with no with no Midnight Express is kind of yeah. interesting. It's like they and the thing is is like he was like, Oh, Midnight Express would have came in because supposedly it was supposed to be the skyscrapers mm-hmm. instead of Doom, but it wasn't skyscrapers and he doesn't I think doesn't, one of the one of the more surprising uh, thing is that the Midnight Express either. aren't aren't in this they've kind of uh, elevated these four kind of the beefy boy Well yeah, tag I know it's all the big guys like it's like the, the Midnight Express the, would have looked they would the, look like, tiny compared yeah, to everyone. The Midnight else. Express the only thing people they could have contended against potentially Maybe the Steiners. Steiners yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, that, that is surprising. But I was also very surprised by Terry Funk being a very good commentator. He's done a good job. Yeah, in, I love, in, in I love past him. shows. Like he, yeah, he has. But I think this might have been his tightest. This was Jim Cornette at his funniest. Jim Ross is kind of like he's very clean, not clean as in like not dirty or whatever. But he's very tweener. It's like he's just he's just calling it as it is. I guess there was no Dr. Death, so I didn't have to hear him talk about OU. (laughs) But he's getting better, for sure. And it was really nice to see him do that job as well. But what a weird show. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Pat O'Connor had held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship for over two years. But a new challenger by the name of Buddy Rogers would step forward in June of 1961. O'Connor and Rogers would face each other in front of 38,000 fans 
at Comiskey Park in Chicago, which would be a North American professional wrestling record for over 20 years. Billed as the match of the century, the two out of three falls match came down to the final fall. O'Connor would miss a dropkick, allowing Buddy Rogers to become the seventh NWA world champion. Rogers, born in 1921 in New Jersey, was the son of German immigrants. He would grow up wrestling at his local YMCA, and his professional debut would come in 1939, and he would soon have a victory over Ed Strangler Lewis. His first title would come while working in Houston, winning the NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship four times in his tenure, once even from Lou Fez. Buddy Rogers would evolve his gimmick to use his flashy look, great physique, and bombastic personality to become the Nature Boy. For his many contributions to the world of wrestling, Rogers had been inducted into the NWA, Professional Wrestling, WWF, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames over the years. Nature Boy Buddy Rogers would hold the belt for almost two years until a former champion challenged. The result would lead to the biggest fracture of all in the NWA. Next week, we got a special surprise. It's our Christmas present to you. Yes. Uh, I think it was a Christmas present to... All of us, To me and you. I'd like to think that our friends that joined us felt the same way. I had a good-ish time. So we're going to cover No Holds Barred, the match, and the movie. Yes, sir. Michael just said we had a couple friends join us, and we're going to do a live commentary yeah for the movie Mm -hmm. but then me and michael will cover the match afterwards which there's not a lot to that there's not a whole lot to the match but we're still gonna cover it because it was a pay-per-view that wwf put out yeah and that's kind of why we just we're doing it because part of the reason we're here part of the reason we're here and it also is a fun thing to do with our friends who also have a podcast and yeah it was enjoyable to do something a little different exactly so I hope you enjoy that episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes. Also, I would say that you can probably listen to that without actually watching the movie. Yeah, just us chattering away. Because we're kind of bullshitting fun. and making jokes, and like the movie, like we, I think Matt may have seen the movie when he was a kid, but it's really not that important. You can listen through it and probably still find some enjoyment without syncing it up to the film. Exactly. But I do believe the movie may be on Amazon Prime. I think it's on Amazon. Because I remember texting Matt and I was like, I think it's on Amazon. And he was like, I just bought it. It was probably like $8. It it was worth it. Yeah, totally. So if you like the music from the show, the theme song from Starcade 89. Future Shock. And Sting was our winner of our main events. So we get to play his theme music. What is it, Sting? Turbocharged. How does that sound? Are you playing it now? I'm playing it right now. Okay, cool. And if you did like this episode, you can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. And you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Let us know if you want to ask us a question yeah. we'll, we'll take some questions I will take a hard stance and say that we are the most consistent podcast that covers pay-per-views and more I don't know of any other one so if there is one out there I've that's seen not ones. covering I've seen that's ones. not covering modern day stuff yeah we're doing it in like from like the modern day 
point of view. Pay-per-view in America. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. And we'll talk to you next week.